Hello and welcome to Biblito, the Watsonville Public Library's podcast, where we talk to you all about books, the community, what to read next, and cultural topics. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Celeste. All right, and welcome back. So a couple of things before we get into our two books, technically couple books, a series, and Stephanie's read. We are going to do a couple of housekeeping items that we have on our agenda. I just want to mention that our podcast will is broadcasting through our website, so we do have a playlist there. If you go to the Watsonville Public Library website and you go under About the Library, you will find Biblito, the library podcast. Click on there, and you're more than welcome to listen to it on that on the website, play it at work, Play it on your phone. I believe it should work on your phone through the website if you're listening to it, it on, should, yeah. on your drive. And then we also have it on Spotify for free. So you can create an account if you don't already have one. And it is free, like I said. And you can listen to it on an app. And it'll keep you updated if you follow us or subscribe to us on Spotify. And when we put out a new episode... If you have like notifications for Spotify, you'll be updated when a new episode comes out at 6 a.m. Another thing about that is, like I said, er, the last podcast was, it, it, this is very tentative schedule. I did say every, um, at least one Tuesday on Tuesdays. It could be a ra- different Tuesdays of the month and it could be multiple. It just depends on how Stephanie and I's schedule is. Um, because it does vary. It does vary a lot. And we, you know, a lot of things are happening here in our community in Watsonville. We have the flooding that's going on from the rain. So there has been, there's there's going to be a long time of us dealing with other things and as well as our own programming with summer reading coming around. So just letting you in the loop that we will... We're trying our best. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying our best to do at least one episode a month. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anything, Stephanie? Do you have any housekeeping or any? No, I think that was generally it. I yeah. mean, right now we're, we're dealing with the flood and yeah. weather. So those are just some things going on. All right. And so now we're going to get into our awesome reads that Stephanie and I are going to share. Um, I'll share mine and then Stephanie um, will share hers. But she'll go first. And I would just want to preface this is that these are our own opinions and we are not telling others that you have to read or don't read these books. It's just more so, again, reviews, just our own opinions based on our own likes and nothing more. The book that I'm going to be discussing today, it's called La Cabeza de Mi Padre. So in English, that's my father's head. Um, it was written by Alma Delia Murillo, who is a Mexican author. Um, it was published in August of August 23rd of 2022, so it's fairly new. Okay. Um, it was a total of 207 pages, so it's not very long. Um, and the book is currently available as a print and ebook, oh, okay. um, but it's only in Spanish, so you can't read it in English just yet. I'm not sure if it will eventually be translated, but it may be. Mm. So stay tuned towards that. Um, we currently don't have it in our collection, but I have. Um, relayed that I'm going to be talking about it to our Spanish selectors so we should be getting copies of it soon and I think before delving into like the subject matter I should probably mention um, a few trigger warnings Um, some of the content in the book includes um, sexual abuse addiction and mental illness Um, those are just some things to keep in mind if you do elect to read it um, Mm -hmm. that that may come up Um, and I guess 
one of the neat things I should mention is how I found the book, and it's how I find a lot of books. Um, there's a bookstore in Mexico City called um, Café Brería El Péndulo, um, and basically it's a cafe slash bookstore. Oh, okay. And so um, when you go there, you're able to not only get books, but you can go to a cafe and read, and then sometimes they have live performances going oh, on. that's awesome. So it's, it's like somewhere where you could spend hours or a day, um, and it's super fun to go to, but... I follow them on Instagram, and um, this book has been um, on their top 10 bestsellers for months. Oh, wow. And so I was really drawn to the book because of the cover. Mm -hmm. And so I had, I remember putting myself on hold for it as an ebook, and I was like, I really want to read this. It just seems so interesting. And it was totally based off the cover. Yeah. And um, as of, I think as of recently as today or yesterday, um, it's still in the number two position. So it's, it's it still, just went down like yeah. So it's just it's really popular, um, and I I really enjoyed it. And so the book, as far as like its genre, I would probably consider this a memoir um, because they are the author's own lived experiences, um, and she's basically you know relaying that in book format. Mm-hmm. And I think the really interesting thing about it is like she when she was going through these things, she wasn't thinking of writing a book. Like she's mentioned that several times. Like it just kind of like came together afterwards, I think, when she was, like, reflecting on these experiences. The book itself, um, it takes place in Michoacán in Mexico City, and it alternates as the story unfolds. And so, basically, what happens in the book is, you know, she's 40 years old, mm-hmm. and she has this ability, I guess I would call it, um, and she gets these dreams. And sometimes when she has these dreams, the person that she dreams of ends up passing away. Oh. And so they're considered precognitive dreams and basically they tell you information about the future that you wouldn't get otherwise um and i guess in some ways you're kind of dreaming the future yeah quick question sorry to interrupt but so you said it's like a memoir yeah but does it have like fantastical elements which is like you know how in spanish culture and mexican culture there's magical realism and things like that would you say it's kind of has that kind of i wouldn't say magical real i feel like that's like the only thing about the book that makes it very like magical or otherworldly mm-hmm. it's pretty much that ability that she has okay it's it, it really doesn't like delve into magical realism per se but um one of the authors that she um and, it, and it'll be the author that i bring up when i mention read likes mm-hmm. um that is a book of an example of magical realism oh, okay so in a way she kind of drew inspiration from it but her oh. book really it's isn't more, of that genre. Yeah. yeah. Just more nonfiction, more about herself and her life and yeah. just added that element. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. <laughs> and so, yeah, so she has that ability to kind of like see into the future. She ends up having a dream about her dad, um, who she hasn't seen since she was a child because he abandoned um, her and her seven siblings and her mom. Um, and he he went back to Michoacan or he stayed in Michoacan where they're from. Um, and so she has no relationship with him. She mm-hmm. has no idea what he looks mm-hmm. like. And she has no idea what's going on in his life. She had a dream about him. But she had a dream about him. Oh, that's so cool. And so she, there's that sensation of having the dream and, you know, maybe it is time to go look for this person and maybe it is time for me to, like, reconcile these feelings that I've dealt with my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, um, she is considering adopting and she feels that, you know, maybe this, again, that kind of, like, solidifies that idea. Like, you know... If I'm going to be a mom, maybe it's time for me to go look for this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she does do that. She she ends up going with um, three of her siblings and her mom. Um, and they end up going um, and looking for him. 
Oh, and wow. so so basically the story it kind of it alternates the the chapters and so um it's part kind of a travel narrative of their journey and all the things they go through to get there but it's also kind of this like character study slash like character development from like infancy to adulthood mm-hmm. and it kind of relays all of these experiences that she went through from that very young age mm-hmm. through the lens of what it wasn't what it was like to not have that that paternal figure around and what that felt like what she went through and you know everything that happened around that and i guess like one of the major themes that the book ends up coping with is this idea of power and it's kind of that's kind of how the book starts and she she talks about kind of this the power that this idea of like what an what an idealized family is mm-hmm. and like how that impacted her at such a young age of like she didn't have this perfect nuclear family right. of like having both parents around and how that made her feel as a person and how it affected her self-esteem and how she navigated the world and so it's it's kind of a study on that in a way and she really tries to emphasize you know the story that she has a lot of people are able are going to be able to see themselves in it and a lot of people especially in, in Mexico, you know, she's like, it's, it's, it's normal for this to happen. She's mm-hmm. like, but in a way it's almost taboo because people don't really want to talk about it. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I found myself really connecting with a lot of the book based on my own lived experiences. And so in a way it could, it could almost be triggering because yeah. if there's, if you've ever gone through some sort of, um, I guess not having a parent around or, you know, just not having access to them in your life, it's, mm-hmm. it, it does kind of impact how you receive some of the information, right. you know? And so I think that's kind of like another trigger warning in a way, just just be cognizant of that. But in a way, I think like one of the, the greater themes is just kind of this exploration of like motherhood and like the feminine individual. And it's like looking, and in a way, it's kind of like a love letter to her mom, oh, you know? Yeah. And it's like, acknowledging you know like the complicated relationships that you can have with your mom but at the same time it's kind of like viewing her mom as like a woman with like wants and desires and however she reacted to these situations or however she navigated Mm -hmm. them it's like she's a human too she showed that empathy yes to her mom's her mom's experiences right her mom's and i think that's like the interesting thing it's like a lot of the story like she kind of relays like the experiences that she had with her mom and like some like some of the things that her mom went through but when it comes to her siblings, she really like does not. She she like acknowledges that they exist, and but she kind she kind of leaves them space to present their perspective oh, okay. and their story. Yeah. And I thought that was such an interesting thing to do because it kind of leaves the door open for them to kind of share how what, what they went through and how they how they experienced it. I really thought it was a really moving book. I'm really mm-hmm. I'm really actually thankful that she wrote it because I thought it was beautifully written she was extremely vulnerable in writing it I feel Mm -hmm. and I think she really like tried to touch on things that I mean you could shy away from and and not want to acknowledge about yourself right um but I think you know she showed a lot of strength in doing that um and so I guess like as far as like a read-alike that I would suggest um there's an author that I really love from Mexico um her name is Guadalupe Nettle um and I've read some of her books and we do have her books here um, and she has a book called El Cuerpo en que Nací, so the body where I was born. Um, and so the author was born with, she has some sort of disability with her eye. Okay. And I'm not remembering exactly what it is, but it's kind of like this exploration of the body mm-hmm. and like the feminine figure and like womanhood. 
um, through her own experience. It's kind of like that like semi-autobiographical memoir type of book. And it's just like really interesting. And it's just, I feel like there's so many contemporary authors from Mexico that are just, you know, they offer these fresh perspectives and they're just so, um, it, it's interesting to see how people who actually live there live and the experiences that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to, and then the other read alike that I wanted to mention was um, a book by Juan Rulfo. It's called Pedro Paramo. We do have that. Oh, okay. Um, and it's considered probably like a classic in like Mexican literature. Um, and basically it's kind of like, kind of, it's not unlike the like this book where the author um, or the protagonist goes and looks for the father. And so he does that. Um, and in that book, it's kind of like ghost story, magical realism. Mm-hmm. And that's, like I said, it's kind of like where she drew um, inspiration from. Um, but they're materials that we have. Okay. Yeah. And so that's that awesome. was that was that was what I read recently, no, and I really sounds, liked it. Yeah, it sounds like a really good book. And coming from someone like myself that I have not personally have delved into authors and material that are from you know Mexico and Latin America, I just haven't gotten myself to read those. Yeah. So it's definitely like hearing that perspective makes me want to read stuff from that area and from authors similar. Yeah, and I and I think like the really cool thing too is like when you're reading authors from from Mexico or like Latin America, like you really, especially if you're reading them in Spanish, like you realize culturally there are, there are differences, but there are similarities, but it's really interesting to see, especially if you're reading them in Spanish, how um, the use of language varies mm-hmm. and there's like just different vocabularies that are used. And so it's almost fun in a way because you're kind of like trying to figure out what things mean. Um, and that's coming from someone who also speaks Spanish Spanish yes. from Mexico and then yeah. reading other material you still have to look up okay what does this word mean <laughs> right yeah and so like this book I mean she's a Mexican author so I feel like it's it's pretty accessible mm-hmm. you know and I, I read it on my Kindle so like if there was ever a word where I was like I don't really know what that means like you could just look it up look it up yeah well, thanks Stephanie yeah. I hope I hope some of y'all find that enticing and we'll pick it up when we do get it here at when the we library. do get it eventually <laughs> but um definitely check that out Okay, everybody, so now we are going to be switching this over to Celeste. She's going to share a book series with us. Yeah, so let me just say that I'm on the fourth book of this, and this is only because of my best friend and I are reading this, and I am doing this for her. <laughs> Not so much for my own pleasure. I'm actually suffering through this, and I am simultaneously going back to the print version as well as the audiobook version. And this is not in our library, but I have told Stephanie I am donating this as soon as I finish the fourth book. Um, it is a very popular series on TikTok, uh, in the book talk world in general, and I... Online. Um, online, and I'm very yeah. surprised. <laughs> so coming soon to the library. Yeah, but it's the uh, Blood and Ash series by Jennifer L. Armentrout. I've read the first, second, third, fourth. I can... Let me just tell you, I don't remember all the titles because, again, I sometimes can care less for this. But this is how I'm starting off my review. (laughs) Um, Basically, this book, um, genre-wise, is adult fiction. It has fantasy and paranormal elements, given that there is some sort of magic involved and different abilities. And then there's also uh, vampires. Are they considered fiction or like sci-fi? It's considered 
fantasy. Oh, but fantasy, again, okay. in our library, in Watsonville Library, we don't have a fantasy section. It's right. mixed. So anything fantasy is mixed in with science fiction. Okay. I have seen some fantasy in our fiction, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, um, it's like science fiction fi- uh, fantasy. Adjacent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So those are kind of like the genre of what this book is. There is a lot of... There's also romance involved, heavy romance and spice. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I can see why because as we had spoken in the last podcast, Colleen Hoover, her spiciness in books has really like gotten people into the romance genre and those type of materials. So that's why I can believe why this is so popular is because it has that same level of intensity. Really? Yes. Okay. But it's fantasy, right? So... I had a patron come in and she was asking, can you show me what romance books or where the romance is and recommend a couple to me or just give me a couple that doesn't have anything to do with vampire romance. Right. So nothing paranormal. She didn't want that. So I can tell, obviously, like Colleen Hoover and all that's more contemporary real life romance, whereas this is like a fantas- fantastical romance, but it does have that same level of right. spice, intensity, all of that stuff that everyone's loving. Oh, I had no idea it was a romance. It's so interesting. Yeah, it very heavy romance. Um, but again, like I said, I, I have been trying to get into romance and I do appreciate romance and fantasy books, but there's so many other factors of this book that I will get into in a little bit that I just, it puts me off from it and I, I, it's, it's making me hold off on reading romance, <laughs> which is why after this I'm scared about cho- a book that we're choosing because if it's a romance book, I hope... After reading this, it doesn't mess with my ability to get into the next book, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Ho- hopefully, hopefully it's a good romance that we pick if we do end up picking one. Exactly. So the setting of this place is basically there's two different differing monarchies within this world. And this world is, they don't say if it's like Earth, it, it's just a fantasy world, right? But it has elements of modern time things. So there's electricity. There's a hot water in ba- water uh, irrigation and systems and stuff like that. Oh, okay. And, but that's only in one monarchy, whereas the other one is, is a setting of medieval where you're actually having to heat water up and Thanks. pour it in and things like that. And I think it's just to show the level of oppression in one monarchy compared to the other where everyone is very equal in kind some of, way. Kind of polarizing. Yeah, definitely. That's what this whole book kind of sets in, and it gives up this, like, there's this monarchy, um, Atlantia, which is the one that has more modern elements, and then the other monarchy where the Ascended are from, which are types of vampires. That's what they're called. It's the Blood Queen's monarchy, and Blood Queen's area, and the Blood Crown. That's what they call that monarchy, because they're vampires, and they're this different kind, whereas Atlantean people are another higher level of a vampire, but they create ascended people if and it's considered Mm. taboo to do that so it's really weird there's a huge history i'm trying not to give a lot away there's like a lot of hierarchy on this and how things get um how people get created or how these fantastical creatures are come to be but it gets muddled sometimes with the all of the other elements there's their own many different gods they have different beliefs and then there's bloodlines that get connected so sometimes like it's an overload of information where okay. i i'm like whoa 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 okay so it's kind of so overwhelming it it's, can be overwhelming and sometimes some things i'm like so who is this who is this and then the way that she differentiates creatures because there's other like wolves too like so almost like werewolf stuff they're called wolven um, they get everybody gets differentiated by the color of their eyes. 
So if you have blue eyes, you're a wolven. If you have like these very amber eyes, you're considered an Atlantean. And there's just a lot of different things. And it, it, it it's like, okay, I can, I kind of can see that, but it just, it's little details like that where I'm just like, okay, I can't keep up sometimes. But the plot is basically the main character's name's Poppy. And she is um, originally from and was raised in the Blood Crowns monarchy. So she is known as the Maiden. And the Maiden is to be this super celibate and pure being that was basically blessed by the gods. Okay. And her purpose in this whole monarchy is to uh, send a group of these people to become ascended and blessed by the gods. Okay. So that is her purpose. She's isolated. She is sheltered. She knows nothing of the real world. She can't talk to anybody. She is veiled the entire time and no one can see her face. She is covered up. She's like, and so when she moves from place to place, no one can talk to her. She can't make contact with anybody. How do they move her around? Her, she has special guards. Oh my so gosh. she only has like two or two guards that really know what her face looks like and her servant. Jesus. And of course, the, the Duke and Duchess that take care of her. Wow. But again, this whole world, again, I'm on the fourth book. I just didn't, I, I didn't appreciate that kind of, I know they're trying to be women power because eventually she gets liberated. From the confines of from that. From the confines of that by meeting her, oh, I hate this word, but in this term, in this world, heartmate. Oh, which okay. is like your your soulmate, like your mate, whatever you want to call it in fantasy world. But I, I cringe. But essentially, it's her partner. But it's her partner that soul to soul we connect and we are destined to always find each other, kind of thing. Okay. He is actually Atlantean. He's actually the prince of that monarchy, and he originally was trying to kidnap her to do a bargain with the Blood Crown because they have his brother. Okay. So. And then from there, they can create this connection. And then she actually figures out, like, there's more to me than being a maiden because she has these special abilities that start to pop up. She can, she's like almost an empath where she can really change people's moods, feels people's moods, and um, manipulate them. So one of the things that she did before she escaped was, like, go up to people and um, relieve their pain when they're dying. Okay. So, but then it starts to change. Again, I'm not trying to give too much away, but this is kind of like the basis like of the, the foundation. Book. And so eventually throughout this, these whole, this whole series, I have not seen one character development of Poppy. Oh. She may have, she may grow in power, but that does not reflect in her personality. Sure, her power is growing and I can see she's trying to make her a stronger woman, but it's only on the superficial level of her powers. Not on her mental state, not on the way that she presents herself. I could see it maybe changing now in the fourth book a little bit. Yeah. But she complains all the time about very menial things that I would think a 15-year-old would (laughs) complain about. Wait, how old is she? She's 18. Okay. So she's still young, but she, and she's a teenager, but like with the level, sometimes I've seen other fantasy books and um, characters that are that age. And because of the circumstances that they're in, especially with what Poppy's going through right now, yeah. I would ex- I would want to see a maturity level. Well, so you would of. want to see it evolve over time. Yes, exactly. And I'm like I said, I'm already in the fourth book, and she has not changed. Okay. And I feel no connection between her and her love interest, Castile. 
Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, but there's so much spice and there's so much intimacies. And I'm just like reading through this like, okay, 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 another scene. And it happens very often. That is confusing with romance sometimes because it's like the author will be telling you, oh, there's this like magnetic connection. And it's like, hmm. Where? where yeah, where is that? Where? Sometimes it's just, it's not there. Exactly. And I don't feel it. I don't feel it at all. She started out too kind of like Colleen Hoover where it was ebooks. Self-published. Self-published. Yeah. And so she only got big because of this whole trend and this whole push into all these ebook and like what like Wattpad writers yes. getting really popular and that material getting popular and then they're getting published yeah. in print form. It's the writing style is just not for me. It's more pushed towards the trend. Yeah, it's almost like when you're reading when you're reading some of those books, it's like you are not really reading it for the same reasons you would read like a book that you want to analyze or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you're just reading it to like to, it's entertainment. To for entertainment, yes. Yeah. It's really just spice and a world and just situations like uh conflicts that really repeat every book so it's a different (laughs) conflict but it's the same structure oh okay and that's what's getting me bored it's the same structure it's the same kind of i know something's gonna happen and it'll get fixed like halfway through the book and then something else is gonna happen which leads up to the next book it's it's almost like a cliffhanger and let me tell you The last maybe 100 pages are the only ones because that's when everything kind of like comes out. And then I'm like, oh, that was actually not bad. Every book is 600 pages. Oh, they're huge. They're huge. And I'm like, oh, so the last 100 pages of a 600 page Quite the commitment. Yeah. It's been really difficult to get through them. But I can see women empowerment and trying to get Poppy, who is this person that was just very isolated, very like her, her as a woman, as a human in general too, is being very oppressed and being very um, isolated and not being herself and not Mm -hmm. being able to voice and be who she is, finding that and getting that release. But she doesn't do it on her own. Someone has to kidnap her in order to do it and to get her out there. She wouldn't do it on her own. And yeah, she found ways around that by like sneaking out and she never really found it herself. And then there's like moments too where Castile is almost so dominant He's protective. He's possessive. I think with the whole idea of what she's trying to make her become individual, independent, it gets clouded with him. Mm. That's why I can't feel this relationship. I just I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of my little gist of it so far. Yeah. And like I said, I'm already on the fourth book. But I know it's popular for a reason. And I know it ties into a lot of the trends and a lot of the same writing style and topics that a lot of people are super into and that's why my best friend loves it she's really into that whereas i'm i'm i've just read other better quality plots and character development that also have romance and do it better Mm, okay ember in the ashes which is a young adult fantasy book but it reads and has elements just like almost an adult book so almost like new adult and who's the author sabah tahir okay and she um she includes a lot of POC, people of color. So a lot of her characters are very diverse. Um, it's also a, a book about oppression. So the same kind of idea of this, the main character who's a woman who um, gets oppressed by a system and a society and finds her way to break through it. And be, and she also is a special like abilities and special character that she make will make or break this whole kingdom. Okay. Um, and it just, you see the development. And all the side characters are great too. Um, 
Blood from Blood and Ash has some very interesting um, characters, side characters, but I don't think they get enough attention. So Ember and the Ashes, and it's a series too as well, like four books, and it's completed. Do we have it? We do have it here at the library. Yes, <laughs> I always forget. We do have it here at the library. I think we might have it in Libby as well, ebook, but I forget. We do have those here. And then one other series, which I know is very controversial as well, and the author is controversial as well because she's like, not not herself, but like more of like her writing style is Sarah J. Mass. But okay. her Throne of Glass series, which is probably the least favorited series in book talk compared to her other two series, because there's no spice. <laughs> there's no spice. There's very little spice. And so a lot of people will read her A Court of Thorns or Roses series and be like, okay, let's read the word of uh, Throne of Glass, which is like seven books. And then they're just like, oh, it's not the same level. No, you're not getting the same thing. Exactly. But I appreciated that throne of glass more actually because there's character development same thing she's already a really strong character but then she just becomes even better and the side characters are great the storyline it's so complex in like how people get interwoven and the relationships between people and the magic system it was just a great book and a great ending and i really appreciated that so i would say that has better plot and interwoven development um, then from Blood and Ash. Okay. And then Ember and the Ash is more of the, the same type of character as Poppy in the same like setting and where she's at and then better character development. Okay. So that's what I would say. That's what you would that's what you would I would recommend, recommend. that. Um, I think I had one more, but I think I'm just gonna stop there because I think those two are good starters and then you can kinda get They're a pretty feel solid. you could kinda get the feel of the differences between from Blood and Ash. Okay, so now we are going to be picking out our next book that we're going to be discussing during our next podcast episode. Um, the works that are in the bucket are either teen or adult fiction, um, and the genres do vary. Yeah, so, they do vary in genre and in availability here at the library. Yes. So we do have some in physical, um, some ebook, some audiobook. Right. Um, through Libby or in person. Here is our wonderful bucket. <laughs> yes. Um, and then Celeste is going to be choosing the title. All right. Here we go. Okay. Let's see. The Hacienda. Oh, Hacienda. Okay. Supernatural suspense, historical fiction, and it's adult read. It has a very neat cover, so Yeah. I've I'm seen interested. the cover. Yeah. And it, I've heard... I've heard a couple of things about it, so um, some favor it. Some there's some aspects, some don't. But I mean, it just depends on. Yeah, I'm curious to to see how it plays out. Yeah. So, and we do have it in our collection. Yeah, we do have it. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to Biblito, everybody, and we will catch you in the next episode. Okay. Well, bye. Bye.